Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Just wanted to share this for the glory of God. For a couple of minutes, I just want to take this time to share this testimony. So 6th of October, I think it was when uh, I was slated to share the word in this church. Our tickets were booked and uh, I was uh, all set to travel. But in the beginning of uh, the month of October, in the first week, I had a health crisis. So I had an attack of uh, spondylosis. been having that for about 25 years now. And uh, this particular pain was terrible. Uh, the cervical spondylosis. And uh, um, 3rd of uh, October, I woke up in the morning. I wasn't able to lift my right hand. I wasn't able to brush my teeth. I wasn't able to comb my hair. And the hand wouldn't actually move beyond this angle. They did a MRI scan and then they found that there are three slip discs in my neck. And uh, two of those were so bad that they were touching the nerve roots. And these nerves were the special nerves called as the motor neuron nerves, which actually pass the signal from the brain into different organs in your body, uh, because of which the brain wasn't actually passing the signal to the muscles to move the hands. So this was like pretty bad. Uh, when every doctor that I went to in Mumbai uh, had only one verdict to give that you need to go for a surgery and you need to go for that surgery at the earliest. And uh, even the best doctors that uh, I know personally, who are good friends, they also said that maybe you could go for a second opinion and choose your doctor, uh, choose your surgeon, but I think you may have to go for a surgery. So we prayed, uh, sent the prayer requests to the local church that I worship there in uh, uh, Mumbai and also various friends that we know and uh, you won't believe every day when I wake up I see a little bit of an improvement maybe about an angle or so where the hand was um, getting better so I knew the healing was on the way and uh, I think it was on the 6th of um, October was when I first got an appointment with one of the doctors who apparently told my friend that why don't you bring your friend, I want to see him. So when we went, he said, like, look, eventually you might have to go for a surgery, but I'm going to put you on some medicines and give you some simple exercises. So I started doing that. Four days flat, I was able to lift my hand completely. I don't give credit here to the doctor, nor the physiotherapist that I went to, because the physiotherapist that I went to, he was zapped. He said, I've never seen a case like this. Within four days, somebody coming out of this is amazing. So, um, 11th of October, I drove to work and my colleagues were surprised. I'm just sharing this for the glory of God. There is power in prayer. There's power is in, in intercession. There's power in surrendering to what the Spirit of God can do in our lives. And one of the things that we did was we believed in the power of the blood of Jesus. And when we broke bread, we appropriated that grace and that healing. I'm happy to be here about a month later to uh, share God's word. This morning, I've titled the message as Progression to Greater Glory. Progression to Greater Glory. And I'm going to 
read a passage from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, uh, 4 to 18. It's a slightly long passage, but let's allow the Word of God to minister to us as I read that. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this passage is a slightly long passage, and it contrasts two things. It contrasts what glory Moses saw. When Moses said, Lord, I want to see you, and when the Lord appeared, and there was a shadow through which the Lord appeared, and the bright light was so bright that Moses could not see. And what was given to Moses and through Moses to, at, at that point of time was the law that was written on the tablets of stone. And this law was given for people to live a life based on the law. And those who did not follow the law were condemned for death or for punishment. And all that happened at that point of time was people were living in fear, in fear of God, in fear of condemnation, in fear of punishment. And righteousness came in at the time because people were afraid of the God who created them. But when it comes to the New Testament, after Jesus was dead on the cross and risen again, things changed. It became a relationship. It became a relationship where the Spirit of God chose to live within us so that we 
can have a friendship relationship with God, experience God day after day, experience His glory day after day, and be transformed day after day. It says in the verse 7, but if the ministry of death, the ministry of death basically is what comes in from the law. If you do not do this, you will be put to death. If you do not do this, you have this punishment. It says, for, for the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Then it goes on to say, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Today, we are not under the covering of the ministry of death, but we are under the covering of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. And if those who were under the law, under the ministry of death, saw the glory of God, how much more do we see the glory of God who are under the ministry of the Holy Spirit? In verse 9 it says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. Look at the words that Paul uses here. There's a ministry of condemnation. There's a ministry of righteousness. And we are today in the era of the ministry of righteousness. The ministry of condemnation tells us that you're wrong, whereas the ministry of righteousness helps us to be right. The Spirit of God gives us the power every day to live a life which is reflective of the glory of God, reflective of the nature of God, whereas the law and the ministry of, of uh, death that was there was ministry of condemnation was basically telling people, you got to do this. Whereas the ministry of righteousness enables people how to live a life which is reflective of the glory of God. Verse 10 says, For even... What was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. As we move on to verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Every day as a Christian gets better. It gets better in terms of we getting the nature of God into our lives. We reflecting the image of God, not only that, but we experiencing the power of God in our lives. We experiencing transformation in our lives. And we do all of this not in our strength, but we do this by the strength of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. This morning, I want to encourage each and every one of us sitting here to experience the deeper relationship with the Spirit of God. We are not meant to live on earth in our own strength, but God has said that He has given us His helper. The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, and the helper is the Holy Spirit. Now, a helper is somebody who is not a servant, but somebody who helps you at times of your weaknesses. 
A helper is someone who actually has got strengths that you do not have. Whose strengths get activated in your areas of weakness. Many times when we talk about helpers, we think about helpers as servants. Get me some water or do this for me. That's not a helper. That's a servant. But a helper is somebody when we are weak, the helper actually helps us in those areas. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, our lives will be victorious lives. Our lives will reflect God's glory. And God's glory is much more powerful than the glory of a thousand or millions of lights. We will shine for His glory. You know, this world we have this whole concept of makeovers. And you have these pictures of before and after. People who are, you know, quite obese or fat. And suddenly they don't look that way after going through a regime. And nowadays the keto diet is very famous, right? So people put up their pictures. When I was like this six months back, I'm like this now. And God is also in this business of making us over, transforming us, transforming us to something beautiful, transforming us to completely different people to reflect God's glory. Talking about transformation, a middle-aged woman went to um, a hospital because she was having a heart attack and she died of a heart attack in the emergency table. And after she died, uh, she went to heaven and she has an argument with God and she says, look, I think I'm too young to die. And God says, well, I think so as well. So what do we do about it? So this lady says, why don't you give me 30 more years to live? So God says, okay, fine, go ahead, live your life well. So she comes back to earth, comes back alive, and then she goes for a facelift, for a liposuction, for a tummy tuck, and a breast implant, and all those kind of things, and changes the hair, color of her hair. And she comes out of the parlor, and she was walking on the road, crossing the road. A huge truck comes and hits her, and she's dead. And she goes back again and stands in front of God and says, why did you do this to me? You broke your promise. And God says, well, I didn't recognize you. So these are all temporary transformations, right? But when God transforms us, it's permanent and it's something different. Warren Wiseby said this, in our universe, there is God and there are people and things. We were made so that we should worship God love people, and use things. However, if we worship ourselves, we will ignore God, start loving things, and begin to use people. Let me read this again for you. In our universe, there is God and there are people and things. We were made so that we should worship God, love people, and use things. However, if we worship ourselves, we will Ignore God, start loving things, and begin to use people. Who are we worshipping? Many times we are so self-centered. We just want to be different. And we just want to be, uh, you know, looking different or maybe acting different or having better health and stuff like that. But we lose the whole focus that God has made us for a purpose. And we need to explore those purposes. And we need to explore the nature of God and our identity lies in Christ. 
An American basketball player, Jeremy Liu, said this, My identity is in Christ, not in basketball. Uh, it's so powerful, right? When somebody who's a successful basketball player stands up there and he says that my identity is not in my game, but my identity is in my Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us this morning, when we have our identity in Christ, when we live by the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives, every day we would experience a transformation. I said God is in the business of transformation. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, when the birth of Jesus was announced, and we are coming into the Christmas season, and this is a very familiar verse. It says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, for your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, the whole concept of the virgin birth, the whole concept of Jesus being born to a heavenly father has become so routine among Christians. It is a miracle. We look at it as a miracle. We look at it as something which has been taught to us in Sunday schools. But if you go back and possibly put yourself in Joseph's shoes and Imagine the questions that Joseph might be going through at that point of time. Thinking about divorcing his wife and breaking that engagement that he had with her. Thinking about secretly leaving her. And he having those doubts in his mind as to who would Mary have had an affair with. Who would be the father of the child in Mary's womb? What was Mary up to? Why did she let me down? I feel betrayed. These were possibly the emotions that he was going through. He was possibly looking at Mary, somebody that he adored, somebody that he respected a lot, somebody whom he wanted to spend the rest of his life. And suddenly that person who was looking so good in his eyes, has fallen from the place of respect. And now she's looking like somebody who is a cheater, an adulteress, somebody who would have sinned secretly. In the midst of that emotional turmoil that Joseph would have been going through, this verse which come in that which is conceived in her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit meant a lot, meant a lot. It's not so much in terms of giving credence to the fatherhood of who Jesus' father was, but it's also about giving credence to the identity that Mary would have going forward and the child would have going forward and that entire lineage would have going forward. Because that which is conceived of the Holy Spirit is unique, is powerful, 
is pure, is holy, is chosen by God and can transform others and that in itself is transformative in nature. Jesus was an embodiment of that. And if you look at the entire genealogy of Jesus, you would find in that chapter 1 of Matthew, Tamar, you would find in verse 5, Rahab, you would find in verse 6, Bathsheba. You would have somebody who was a prostitute. You would have somebody who slept with a king, though she was married. You would have somebody who slept with her father-in-law to continue a lineage. And in order to seduce her father-in-law, she was playing the harlot, as in she was dressed up like a prostitute, got this guy caught this guy's attention when he was drunk and she slept with him. Now these three women, if you look at them from worldly terms, from worldly eyes, and put them in the context of the law, by the ministry of condemnation, they should have been put to death. They did things which were not supposed to have been done. And somebody who comes from that kind of a lineage your great-great-great-grandmother was Bathsheba. Your great-great-great-great-grandmother was Rahab. And you go back in your lineage. You had Tamar in your lineage. What kind of a person are you, Jesus? We don't even know who your father is. But that which was in Mary's womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What was brought forth from the womb of Mary, the Lord Jesus Christ went on to change the world. When you and I are conceived by the Holy Spirit, when we are born again and baptized into the Holy Spirit, our lives will be different. Hallelujah. Irrespective of where we come from, irrespective of what background is, we would experience transformation. You know, sometimes we come from different uh, backgrounds. We come from uh, uh, names which sound funny at times, names which sound so different from our nature. Uh, some folks would possibly come with names which have meanings which could be offensive, like... Uh, there are names like, have you heard about a guy by name Sidebottom? He was apparently a cricketer in the, in the English cricket team many years back. Now, that's not a name that many of them would like to have, right? Uh, there's a name called Jabez in the Bible, which actually means pain. Imagine somebody being called pain time and again. Imagine somebody being called by a name which is offensive, a name which is possibly having very deep religious connotations from another faith that somebody came from, uh, somebody being called by the name of the city that they belong to, so-and-so from so-and-so place. Oh, you're from that place, is it? That kind of a stuff, right? But let me tell you, as much as names are important, but God has given 
each and every one of us a new name. Because he has chosen us, he has chosen to live inside of us. So let me present to you three things that happen when we experience the greater glory of God. The first thing that happens when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, when we ask Him to take control of our lives, is that we become royals. We move from being rejects to royals. That's an amazing transformation, right? In John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now that's a new identity. The new identity is that you are a child of God. Irrespective of where you came from, irrespective of who your father is, who your mother is, or who your grandfather is, or who your grandmother is, who your neighbors are, who your friends are, whom you did what with, irrespective of all of that. But once you receive him as your savior, he gives you the right to be called as his child. To those who believe in his name, to those who are born again, to those who are born of the blood, you are called as the child of God. How many of us are so proud and happy that we are the child of God? Only that much? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because there's such a beautiful identity to know that our Father is the one who made the heavens and the earth. Our Father owns everything. Our Father can transform things. Our Father can, at the wink of an eye, at the click of your fingers, change everything. Now, I went through those emotions when I was going through that sickness. On 5th of October, I just fell on my knees and I said, Lord, what's happening? Because everyone says that I need to go for this surgery. I don't even know from what the doctors say. They say it's a very risky surgery. Spine surgeries are risky. But I said, Lord, I come to you and you alone. And the only prayer that I did was, Lord, have mercy. When you don't know what to pray, what would, what would you pray? Lord, have mercy. And that was it. That was fifth. And I started seeing the blessings of healing from sixth onwards. I was in my office on the eighth and ninth, that is Thursday and fr Friday. And I was driving to my office on the eleventh. Now that's purely because of God's power, nothing else. That's the relationship that we have. That's the relationship that we have with a God who is able to transform things. Let me give you an example from the book of Judges of a man by name Jephthah. Judges chapter 11 verses 1 to 3 talks about this man called Jephthah. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. Harlot means prostitute. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. 
So here's a boy who was born out of wedlock, born from a relationship which was ungodly, born to a prostitute, brought into a home where the wife of the house has her own sons, but he was rejected there. He was kicked out of that place by his brothers. And now he goes to a place and now he's surrounded by people who are the riffraff of the society. Just worthless men banded together with Jephthah. But something happens here. The works that Jephthah was doing, Jephthah almost became like a Robin Hood of those days. He went around robbing the rich and feeding the poor. He had some principles. He had mighty men of valor along with him, though they were worthless. When the enemies were attacking this nation, Jephthah's brothers go to him. In verse 7 it says, So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now, in, now when you are in distress? Those very people who rejected him go to him now and says, Would you be our leader? Because you seem to be knowing the art of warfare and you seem to be having the knack of experiencing victories. So and we want you to come and help us. We want you to be our leader. And this was a question that he asks. Didn't you throw me out? Why do you want me back? But there's something that happens. It's not about what the people did to him, but what God did to him later on in verse 29. which is then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon, and he went on to have victory after victory. When the Spirit of God touches people, irrespective of what their background is, their background is now transformed to actually have an identity as the child of God. In the twinkling of an eye, Jephthah's destiny changed from being a reject to a royal. And that's our destiny as well. When we talk about glory to glory, no matter where we come from, what our background is, God can take us from one place of glory to another place of glory through the power of His Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit is so powerful that we would experience glory to glory. Romans chapter 8 verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Who enables us to call God as Father? Many times we struggle to call God as Father because our understanding of God has been ingrained into our minds based on what was taught to us. But we come from different backgrounds. For some, God is distant. For some, God is a power. For some, God could be an idol. For some, God could be a being who is full of wrath. For some, God could be like somebody who loves them, engulfs them under their wings. For some who would have had, you know, a very different image of a father being unloving, accepting God as a father would be so difficult. But it's the Spirit of God who enables us to experience the love of God so that we are able to respond back to the Father as a child of the Father. What would a father like to hear from his or her, his child. 
the child calling the father as daddy. If the father is not called as daddy, but if the father is called as something else, the father wouldn't like it. And our heavenly father wants to hear us calling him as father. And even if we are not able to do it, it's the spirit of God who teaches us and enables us to call him as Abba, Father, because the Spirit of God helps us experience the glory of God and the love of God. And we move from being rejects to royals. The second thing that happens when the Spirit of God lives inside of us is that we move from being rubbles to admirables. Rubbles are those like they're just lying there, have no identity, worthless, from there to being those who are admired. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Which basically means that everything about your old background, which has come in as a stigma for you or as an identity for you, is all gone. But you come in with new deposits of God's glory and you win the admiration of people around you. And Psalm verse, chapter 5 verse 12 says that the righteous would be surrounded by the favor of God. People would see that. People would see their glory around you. There was this lady by name Jenna Presley. Jenna Presley was uh, a porn star. She released her own films. She was uh, one of the most famous of her times. But when she was touched by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when she invited the Holy Spirit to live inside of her, there was a transformation in her life. She found a new identity. Brittany Dallamore is her actual name. Jenna Presley was her name, the pseudo-identity that she adopted. Today, Brittany Dallamore is the wife of a pastor. And she's ministering to a lot of people who are in the pornography industry. How did this transformation happen? This transformation does not happen by people putting in their own efforts, but people making a decision to surrender themselves to the Holy Spirit. Somebody who's been a rebel to being admirable. And she goes back to those, those same nightclubs, ministers to those same women, telling them about the love of Jesus and letting them know that they don't need to live a life of pseudo-identity, but they have an identity in Christ Jesus. There's a man by name uh, Christopher Yuan. Christopher Yuan was born in a Chinese home. Christopher Yuan went to the U.S. to study his medicine. And while studying medicine, he got into drugs, he got into alcohol, he got into a relationship with a gay man, and he went on to actually have multiple affairs with gay men, and he was uh, hopping gay clubs every night, and he was also peddling drugs. Now, one of those days, his mother became a Christian, his mother started praying for him. And while his mother was praying for him, God was working in this man's life. Christopher Yuan was one day arrested, and when he was arrested, the, the police found him in possession of nine tons of marijuana. They put him in prison. While at prison, they did a blood test on him, and they found that Christopher Yuan was HIV positive. 
and while in prison when he was so dejected he had no hope of coming out of prison in a trash can he finds a bible he picks up that bible and starts reading that bible and his eyes come to jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 which says for i know the plans that i have for you plans to prosper you plans not to harm you plans for a bright hope and a better future he started reading the bible which was a gideon's bible that was given to somebody at some point of time but somebody decided to throw it away and as he started reading that bible the spirit of god started ministering to him the spirit of god started transforming him the spirit of god started giving him hope for a better future you know hope for a better future is something that many people don't experience hope is not an emotion but hope is a process hope is a process where you surrender and god is working and you keep experiencing day after day things happening and as he started experiencing that hope he went to the the chapel of the prison and asked the priest there to tell him more about christ and he led him to the lord got him baptized after getting baptized christopher yuan decided that if at all i come out of prison i want to serve this god christopher yuan comes out of prison joins the bible college and he gets an admission in the moody bible college and today he is actually a professor in moody bible institute from a prisoner to a professor what an amazing transformation of someone who decided to surrender himself to the power of the holy spirit ephesians 2 verse 10 says for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them god has got a plan for every one of us we might think that we are like rubbles but god wants us to be admirables the third thing that happens when we are leading a spirit filled life is that we move from powerlessness to powerfulness being somebody who is powerless to being somebody who is powerful ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says and raised up raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in christ jesus we have a place in the heavenly places in christ jesus we do not need to live a life without power we do not need to live a life where we feel weak because we have the holy spirit inside of us and we have power let's look at what this power can do in acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 6 you see the story of peter and john going to the temple and when they go to the temple they see a man who was there who was lame it says now peter and john went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his womb mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing peter and john about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixed his eyes on him with john peter said look at us so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them then peter said silver and gold i do not have but all i have i give to you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk and he rose up and walk after that the statement that peter made there was very profound what i have i will give to you what was peter having 
Peter was, Peter was having the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living inside of him and a power for leading a victorious life. And that power he used and exercised. And in the name of Jesus, he spoke a blessing into his life. Let me tell you, the God that you and I worship is a demolisher of status quo. What was the status quo in the life of this person? Wake up in the morning, get ready, somebody will pick up this person and put him at the temple gate. And when you are at the temple gate, what you do? You beg for alms. What do you do in the evening? Somebody will pick you back and put you back at home. That was the status quo. But when the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of God demolishes the status quo. What is the status quo in your life that you want to see demolished? I want to encourage you, if you're living a life of surrender to the Holy Spirit, bring that status quo into the presence of God. That status quo will be demolished and you will lead a life of power. We, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are meant to be tormentors of the devil. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? When we walk in, we demolish status quo. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith can help us in overcoming the world. Let me also take you to the book of Acts chapter 17, verses 5 to 6. When Paul and Philip go to a city, and they were ministering in a house, People gather around that house. A mob gathers around that place. And Paul escapes from there, along with the people who came into that place. But the guy by name Jason, who was the owner of the house, he was captured and he was taken by the mob. And this is what happens there in verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the ruler of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now that was the reputation of the Christians of the first century. Those who have turned the world upside down. And that needs to be the reputation of us church even today as well. As those who turn the world upside down. Demolishing status quo. Pronouncing blessings into people's lives. Helping them move from rejects to royals, from rebels to admirables, from powerless to powerful people. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Let us experience that power and also let us be a blessing to others. Rick Warren said this, You discover your identity and purpose through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a relationship with Jesus Christ is cemented even more stronger when we allow the helper that the Lord Jesus sent into our lives, who is the Holy Spirit, God. And the more we surrender, the more we, we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, God, we're going to move from one level of glory to another level of glory. And I believe as we enter into a new season, this Christmas season, we have been called to pronounce that blessing of glory into people's lives around us, 
Not only that, as we enter into 2019, it would be a year where we would experience greater glory in our own lives. People might say this to you, but that's not your identity. You might want to go and do this. You know, we do this for the Aadhaar card. That's not your identity, but your identity is this. Amen? If you know Hindi, I would say that your identity is not your Aadhaar, but your Adhikar. Because we have power which has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one key for this before we close. How do we experience that power? The Word of God says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 to 31, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths will faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is, that flight is from one step to another step, moving upwards and upwards. You will not faint, but you will grow in your strength. But I want us to pay attention to this whole idea of an eagle. The bird, the eagle, an American eagle, has got about uh, wings of about two meters in their span. They can fly at 200 miles per hour, spend time in solitude, and they love flying alone in very high places and having their nests in high places. And the more higher they go, the more joy they get. And they can fly even when it is stormy weather. But this passage that I just read has a very important word that I want us to pay attention to. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the root word for the wait is a word called kawa, the Hebrew word kawa. Kawa means to be twisted together, to be bound together. When we say waiting upon the Lord, it's not like waiting upon the Lord, but it is to be united with the Lord, to be living with the Lord. And that's what the ministry of the Spirit is all about. He wants to live inside of us and strengthen us. The more we allow Him to fill us, equip us, empower us, we will draw more strength. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. How much of space have you given the Holy Spirit in your lives? And as you have that presence of God in your lives through his Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you. The ministry of the Spirit is to take us from a place of glory to a new place of glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 is what we read. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to encourage us this 
morning time. Whatever be your situation in your life, whatever be the questions that you are struggling with, you need to know that you are redeemed. You are called by God to be different. You are a friend of God and God has chosen to have the beautiful relationship with you. And as he has the beautiful relationship with you, you will be strengthened to live life, to move from one level of glory to another level of glory. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai.com ministries.com